So here we are again. And again, I am alone. For Tavares is a scholar. And he is a busy man. And I am but a bum. Anyway, I got a pretty decent show lined up for you today. Better than pretty decent. It's pretty fucking awesome, you know, because that's the only way I know how. Um, uh, we're going to talk about Drake getting booed off the stage at Camp Flogna, which I'll get to that. Um, we're going to talk about, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit of, about How I Met Your Mother, because I fucking love that show and I'm rewatching it right now. And uh, I think I'll touch on the Rick and Morty season premiere. I won't dive into it because I know I know Tavares is going to want to talk about it. So I'm looking forward to that. And sorry to any of our Mr. Robot listeners because I know we missed last week. And uh, you know what? We're going to double down this week. We'll go over last week's episode. We'll go over this week's episode because we need to make it up. We need to get that right, you know. So uh, again, Tavares ain't with me. This is Colton Robertson coming to you live from the bedroom. Uh, let's fucking party, you know. You have now entered the Penny Bloom Podcast. Hosted by none other than Colton Robinson and Tavares Pennington. I hope you are prepared for a show unlike any that you've ever seen before. Or heard, I guess it's a podcast. So you aren't going to see anything. Let's begin at Camp Flog now. Alright, so Tyler the Creator always has a special guest headliner, right? And this year everyone was so certain it was going to be Frank Ocean. Oh, it's going to be Frank Ocean. It's going to be Frank Ocean. Psych, bitch. It's Aubrey Drake Graham. And here's the thing. <clears throat> if there is anybody that is going to get booed off the stage as a surprise headliner at a Tyler the Creator festival... It is Drake and country artists. Like, that's it. Like, they'll accept most people. But Tyler the Creator fans want to be so anti-establishment. Drake might as well have been Bill Gates up in that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Like, he... He is everything that Tyler has almost set out not to be. You know? And, like... Well... I do appreciate Drake, and I would have appreciated a performance. I've seen him in concert. Like, I, I think that would have been awesome. He's one of the biggest fucking artists in the world who... I mean, it's it's a cool it's a cool thing to get him to be your surprise guest somewhere, you know? So I, th- I just thought that was, like, mad disrespectful to, like, Tyler. Because he chose that for the crowd, you know? Like, he, he went out of his way to get Drake. He even tweeted later about it how he was like, I thought it'd be cool because that's the biggest fucking artist in the world, but... In hindsight, it was a little tone deaf given the crowd that Camp Vlogna draws, which is true. I mean, Tyler fans are either so loving or fucking hateful. So, I get it. But uh, Drake's going to be just fine. Dude's had thousands of shows in his career, and I can't imagine he's ever been booed off the stage once besides last night. But it is pretty funny that it came at the fucking height of his career. This man's bigger than he's ever been, and is bigger than he probably ever will be. And he got booed off the stage. Like, that's just that's just how... <laughs> that's just what Tyler the Creator fans can do. It's hilarious. Uh, but, you know, he'll be fine. This is... 
nothing to him. He's still a fucking hundred millionaire, billionaire, whatever. He's chilling. All right. Don't worry about Drake. He doesn't need Camp Flogma. <laughs> So I want to talk about how I met your mother because I'm rewatching it right now and I forget how great this show is. I mean, it is very elegantly written. They I mean, the way they planned ahead for the entire series is insane. Like they knew how this whole shit was going to work out when they started and I think that's awesome. They just figured out a way to get there. But uh I mean, there's so many great things to love about the show. You got the endless callbacks and long-running jokes. I mean, the and it's more emotional and meaningful than any sitcom that I've ever watched. And, I mean, like, when... Spoilers ahead. If you haven't watched How I Met Your Mother, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm talk about it. Like, when Marshall's dad died. Ugh. Bro, it destroyed me. It destroyed me. He's, it, like, he, he held Lily and he said, I can't do this. I was like, ugh, neither can I, Marshall. Neither can I. Another thing that's really interesting about this show is that the main character has by far had the least successful career. I mean, you got Josh Radner in the main role, but you've also got a, you've got a Jason Siegel as Marshall. You've got Neil Patrick Harris as Barney. Kobe Smulders as Robin Sherbatsky. And Lily Aldrin played by uh, Allison Hannigan. <laughs> and I mean all those people have been in so many other things besides How I Met Your Mother except Josh Radner like Josh Radner's done a thing or here or there I mean I think he did like liberal arts but like and that movie wasn't big that's about it he's a great actor though he deserves to be in some more shit cause I love him in How I Met Your Mother um but you know the there's a lot of debate about the ending, whether or not it was good. Um, I think it was good. Well, I go back and forth on this. <clears throat> like, the first time I watched it, I was really satisfied with the fact that Ted ends up with Robin. I was like, that's exactly what the story's been all about. That makes perfect sense. The second time I watched it, I was a little bit older, and I fucking despised it. I was like, how are they just going to make this whole show about how we met their mother? And then kill the mother. How they gonna kill her like that? And that I've never really been okay with. Alright? Like, no. But this time I'm watching it. And I'm picking up on the fact that the entire time, this entire story, the, the woman that Ted wanted to be with was Robin. Always. And I mean... The only way they could have ended it the way they did, where they had Robin run off into the sunset with Ted, it's it's by killing Tracy, the mother of Ted's children. And when I say kill, you know what I mean. She died of natural causes. Uh, I mean, not natural causes, but I think it was cancer, which is very sad. But it was the only way to get the outcome they wanted. I mean, 
to be honest, the show probably should have just ended with Barney and Robin getting married and Ted meeting the mother there. Like, the ninth season probably shouldn't have happened. I appreciate it. I appreciate it when I go back and watch it, but it probably shouldn't have happened if we're being real in terms of crowd pleasing. Uh, another <clears throat> something I wanted to talk about with the show is the uh, the best relationships in the show, and I'll go uh, I'll go from my I'll, I'll do my top five here. All right, so at five, I've got Barney and Nora. For those of you that don't know, Nora is the uh, is the British woman that uh, Robin works with, and uh, Barney quickly falls in love with her, like very quickly. And I thought, I thought they were good together. You know, I thought Nora was really good for Barney. Ultimately, what caused it to get all fucked up was Barney being in love with Robin still, and Robin being in love with Barney. And also, Robin and Kevin were a good couple. They cheated on their partners each with each other, and I thought that was terrible. But it was, you know part of their love story so that's cool um but yeah Barney and Nora were a really good couple you know Nora was really good for Barney and I think Barney Nora really taught Barney how to be better and I'm not saying that's ever a woman should be a woman's responsibility for any guy but in the case of Barney he he needed someone to help him get better and that was I think Nora was integral in that role for him and then at a four I've got Ted and Zoe uh, Zoe is the woman who was trying to prevent Ted from building the GNB tower on the uh, site of the Arcadian. And uh, while wow, they fought all the time, they never agreed on anything. They There was still something there that was like much, much better than most of other Te- most of Ted's other relationships. Like I liked them together more than I liked Ted and Stella. I was not a big fan of Stella. She never rubbed me the right way. I mean, she was just always off-putting for some reason, and it, I never got with it. Didn't like it. But Zoe, you know, they connected. I felt like, like they, it, it was a girl that Ted wanted to help, and I thought that was cute. The next up, we got Ted and Victoria. Ted and Victoria are much like Barney and Nora for me, except much more long-running. Um. The only reason they didn't work out was because Ted was in love with Robin. And, like, that... That's a shame, because Ted should have stopped being a dumbass and given up on Robin a while ago. But, uh... Because Victoria was right there, bro. She's a good chick. She's a great chick. And... I mean, she did give him that ultimatum in the eighth season about, like, it's me or it's Robin. And, like, you can't do that either. I mean, I get it. I get it. Because Robin is what's prevented their relationship from going farther. But, damn, man. Like, that's his... That's been his long-time best friend. You can't just stop that. But I get it. Because she was kind of hot. And Ted loved her. And you want to get married. So that makes sense. It makes sense. It's fair. My second best relationship, Barney and Robin. I love them together. They just make a lot of sense, you know. It's They make all the sense that Ted and Robin never would have, you know. Like, Barney and Robin seem to want the same things out of life. Ted and Robin never did. And Barney and Robin were just so fucking awesome together. I mean, 
that was like the ultimate duo for me. They're fucking dope. Dope as fuck, bruh. What I love is how they know they're awesome. They were just like kind of made for each other in my opinion. Like they made a lot of sense. They made almost as much sense as my number one couple. Marshall and Lily. I mean, there's no TV couple I've ever liked more than Marshall and Lily. Marshall and Lily were made to live together. To marry. It, I love them so much. And I mean, they're perfect. They're perfect for each other. I mean, I, nothing, there are a few moments that have made me cry more in the TV show than Marshall's dad dying. There, uh, when Lily left Marshall on the, uh, steps in front of their building and when, uh, when Marvin was born, their child. Because, like, it was just, like, their whole story, it led to this point. Now they have this life in their hands, and it's beautiful. I love them together, man. It's really one of my, probably my favorite TV couple of all time. But, yeah, How I Met Your Mother, it's, uh, it's full of great inside jokes, I mean, the long-running jokes are probably my favorite part. I mean, there are just so many of them. I mean, have you met Ted? Um, How about uh, the blue French horn? That shit's always so cool. The yellow umbrella. I love all the callbacks to different things that they'll always do. It's really... It's a great show. A great show. And if, uh, if you haven't watched it, you definitely should. As soon as possible. Chris. Next time. I never thought it'd be this. I'm jumping out of your arms. I land and fall in a pit. Is this what they call the abyss? I fought and caught for an inch. Turning a miracle mile. I could recall when your lips used to contort in the smiles. Bright as the sun, the strong in the clips. I haven't seen light in a while. Hasn't been bright in a while. Chris. One thing I forgot to mention in the introduction is the uh, the NBA. I want to talk about the NBA because I fucking love the NBA, okay? And I've got some early, early predictions as to who will win MVP, most improved player, who goes to the uh, finals and such, or who goes to the playoffs and such things like that. So uh, first I'm going to give my, uh, my MVP candidate predictions. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is a shoo-in for another MVP candidacy. The dude carries Milwaukee on his back every year to a one or two seed, and there's no doubt in my mind he'll probably carry them to a top three seed again. Um, uh, Kawhi Leonard. And the reason I think Kawhi Leonard is going to get an MVP candidate this year is because he's going to he's one of those guys that's like, we can't let this man retire without a, without an MVP. You know, like, he he deserves to win an MVP before it's all said and done. And if there's a year he's going to do that, it should be this year, you know. And uh, I've got a couple sleepers here that I think could sneak their way into the MVP candidacy, given the uh, outcome of how their team does. And uh, the first one, Trey Young. I think Trey Young could really, really fuck the game up this year. And he already has been, like, immensely, but... 
the dude's just got so much potential. And if the Hawks can be can riding on his back to a top three seed, I think he is a shoo-in for an MVP candidate. And uh, same goes for uh, Pascal Siakam. I think if Toronto gets up there and ends up having one of the best records in the East, like a top two or three record in the East, Pascal Siakam will get an MVP candidacy. And I think he deserves it too. He, uh, The dude's just a monster. I mean, a beast. The kid destroys shit. And I think it'd be awesome to see him win. Or not win, but at least nominated. To go from most improved player last year to MVP candidate this year would be pretty fucking awesome. Um, next up, I want to do a most improved player. I've only got two here. Oh, well, and also back to MVP for a second. LeBron James. He's always he's always up there for me. The dude deserves an MVP again. And he's pulling off triple doubles like crazy so far. I think he got like four out of the last five games. That's fucking bonkers, bro. The dude just knows how to play basketball, and he's really fucking good at it, all right? Uh, but most improved player. I've got two candidates here, both both in the Eastern Conference, which now I'm just realizing that my shit's pretty Eastern Conference heavy, which is weird because the Western Conference is so much better. But uh, I've got, for the Miami Heat, Bam Adebayo. He's a center out of, uh, I believe, Kentucky. Dude's just a stud, man. And uh, coming into the league, he had high expectations, and he hasn't really been paying them off yet, but it looks like this year he is finally going to be hitting his stride as an NBA player, and I think he's going to be big for them. I bet he ends up averaging a double-double. I think he might uh, be up there in terms of blocks per game. Uh, the The dude's good, and he... He should be on your list for most improved player. And then uh, my other one is OG Ananobi of the uh, Toronto Raptors. And uh, I think he'll get most improved player because, you know, last year he he got limited minutes because he was playing behind Kawhi Leonard, which makes sense. Kawhi Leonard's the best basketball player in the world besides LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And, uh, and I'd argue he's probably better than Giannis right now because he can beat his ass one-on-one. But uh, OG on like Kawhi Leonard was even talking about the other day in a press conference how he's excited for OG to finally get his chance to be the starter and get more minutes because that dude is good, and I trust the word of Kawhi Leonard. I think uh, OG Ananobi is going to be up there for the most improved player run. But. What ultimately matters is who makes the playoffs. And I've got some early predictions here. I mean, the Lakers and Clippers in the West. They're going to make it to the playoffs. Uh, I think uh, I think the Rockets will make the playoffs this year. Uh, I think uh, the Trailblazers will squeak in. I think the Thunder will get in. I think the Nuggets will get in. But... One team that is a bit of a surprise given last year's performance that I think will definitely make the playoffs this year is the Phoenix Suns. This team looks fucking good. All right. I mean, they were the they were the team that gave the Sixers their first loss where Devin Booker put up 40. Um they uh gave the Lakers a run for their money deep into the game. I mean, they had a kid named Devon Carter who was just tearing shit up for them and I think 
they can they kind of remind me of like what the Clippers were like last year. And the same goes for the Toronto Raptors, who I think will make it in the East. They remind me a lot of the Clippers from last year too, just the scrappy team that doesn't have any like true standout superstars, you know? I mean, I'd call Devin Booker as close to a superstar as you can get, but he's not quite there. But they're just good enough to come together and fuck your shit up, you know? Uh, and, uh, I mean, the Lakers, they, they're they 7-2 and two right now. It's fucking lethal. I mean, LeBron and AD are paying off better than you could have ever imagined. I mean, and the Pelicans, they're getting a lot out of Brandon Ingram. That dude's finally playing like Brandon Ingram was supposed to play all this time, you know? And I just think uh, that the trade was well worth it. Getting AD in exchange for Brandon Lonzo and Josh Hart, I'm perfectly cool with that. Like, that... AD's a fucking monster, bro. And... I mean, Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso's a fucking stud, man. There's no competition with Caruso. Anytime that he throws down a dunk, you know Staples Center is going to lose its fucking mind. There are few players they've ever loved more than Alex Caruso. Like it's like it's like Kobe, Magic Johnson, Alex Caruso. Like that's it. That's the top three. Um, I know I'm gonna piss off Lakers fans with that one. <laughs> ah, fuck it. Uh, but the Clippers. Let's talk the Clippers because this team looks fucking scary already, and Paul George hasn't played once they still have Paul George in their back pocket. And given the Lakers still have DeMarcus Cousins, but that's not the same as having Paul George in your back pocket, okay? Paul George was an MVP candidate last year and a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and he did all that with something severely fucked up in his shoulder. So when he comes back and he's healthy, the Clippers are going to fuck shit up, man. Like, there is zero doubt in my mind they are going to tear this shit up. Uh, next I want to talk about the Nuggets. I mean, they got the two seed last year, I think. And, uh, I mean, Jokic carries them there. And then it proves in the playoffs that that guy isn't enough to get them the win. So I think the Nuggets will make it to the playoffs and they'll lose just like they have the last couple of years because they can't, they can't just ride Jokic's back the entire time. It's just not possible. Uh, the Rockets. The Rockets. I mean, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. They're going to make the playoffs. Okay. Uh, So far this year, James Harden is putting up like 27 points per game, but I'm pretty sure he's also shooting like 27% from the field. Like, the dude is not having as good a year as he did last year thus far. But I wouldn't worry. The dude's going to figure his shit out. He's, He's James Harden, you know? Like, I mean, they've got Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker. They've got several, several role players who are lethal when it comes time to get down to it uh next the trailblazers trailblazers personally one of my favorite teams in the league so this is more hopeful and wishful thinking than anything because i love damian lillard the dude's fucking awesome and i think uh cj mccollum is a really good uh really good uh robin to his batman and then uh they got they picked up hassan whiteside 
this past offseason, which is huge for them because Hassan Whiteside is a, is an amazing fill-in for why uh, while uh, Yusuf Nurkic is out. and uh, But when Yusuf Nurkic gets back, if ever, it, he is the push that team needs to get into the playoffs, and I, I'm fairly certain that they'll they'll do that. Uh, one of the teams I was surprised to see how well they've started the year is the Thunder. Because, you know, they got rid of Russ and Paul George, and that seemed to be that. But uh, the way Shea Gilgis-Alexander is performing and the way Steven Adams has stepped up in a big way, uh, uh, the guy who won the uh, dunk contest last year, uh, Jami Diablo, or Diallo, the dude's a fucking stud. And they're, they're doing good right now. They're doing really good, and... Uh, They'll be their bottom end for me, six, seven, eight seed, probably seven or eight. Uh, but you know, we'll see, we'll see. In the East, this one was a little harder because there are seven teams that I'm fairly certain will definitely make it to the playoffs. But the eighth team, I have zero fucking clue, no idea, none at all, zilch, nada, nothing. So, Heat. The Heat are fucking good, okay? Jimmy Butler is a fucking great, great team leader for them. Uh, like I said earlier, Bam Adebayo is stepping up in a big way for them. They uh, they have a great young core. I mean, Deion Waiters just flying high as fuck in the sky. Gotta respect the hell out of that. Um, yeah, I don't know if you heard the story, but he uh, he overdosed on gummies on a flight from Phoenix to Los Angeles. What? How do you do that? Like, bro, just eat one and chill the fuck out, alright? Next up, we got the Sixers. Lethal. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. I mean, obviously, they gotta get healthy, they gotta stop being suspended and all this shit, but, uh, Oh shit! That's the last. Pl- that was the last team I wanted in the playoffs in the Western Conference. The Minnesota Timberwolves. I think they'll make it this year. I think this is finally the year the cat that cat gets them there. And uh, cat could also be a very good MVP candidate in the end. And I think uh, he might actually get there. But uh, anyway, the Sixers. I mean, you got Joel Embiid, you got Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris. It's a. They've got a great team in Philly, and uh, it's. It's a scary team, to be honest. Like they can, they can shit on you whenever they want, or they can like absolutely fail. There's no in between with them. It seems like. Uh, but next up, Celtics. Celtics, uh, they're a tough team. You know, uh, Gordon Hayward has been playing uh really well. He just happened to uh break his hand, so that sucks. But he's. I'm sure when he gets back, they'll pick up stride again. Gordon Hayward's been doing really good, and I don't really fuck with Gordon Hayward like that, but I respect his game. And uh, Kemba Walker, amazing addition. I love seeing it. I love seeing him do well. And uh, turns out that trade with the uh, Hornets kind of paying off because Devontae Graham is kind of tearing shit up for Charlotte. The dude's a stud. He's out of Kansas. And as a principal, I don't root for Kansas basketball because I love Mizzou. But their games are always on more than Mizzou, so I end up watching them more. And uh, I always, always end up rooting for the guys who make it to the league that I liked watching. And Devontae Graham is easily my favorite player out of Kansas ever. So it's nice to see him tearing shit up at at the NBA level and 
to be honest. I don't know. Is he a rookie? Or is he second year? Uh, I don't know, but he'll if he's a second year, he could be a candidate for most improved player of the year. I mean, dude's a stud. But yeah, the Celtics. Kimball Walker was a great addition to an already really good team. I mean, losing Kyrie Irving, that's a hit, but you just never know what what Kyrie Irving is going to do for your team in terms of what happens in the locker room. And there was a whole lot of rumors and shit about how he wanted to be there and then how he fucking hated it there and shit like that. So, I mean, you just never know, okay? And then uh, the Bucks. They make it to the playoffs every year on the back of Giannis Antetokounmpo alone. And this year they have Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, pretty much the same core as last year. And I think that's going to get them there again, you know? Like, they're just too fucking good to not get there. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon not being on the team anymore is kind of a hit. Uh, but I think they're uh, they're going to be just fine without him. Uh, next up, the Raptors. Raptors being led by Pascal Siakam. I mean, you got Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Serge Ibaka. Like, the team's... The team's so fucking good, and they remind me a lot of the Clippers last year. You know, like they're they're a good core group of guys who just tear shit up. They go fucking hard, and you can count on that. And I think that's fucking dope. <clears throat> Next up, uh, I wanted I wanted to uh, sneak the Nets in here. I think uh, Kyrie might be able to actually pull the Nets to the uh, playoffs on his own without Katie this year, and uh, that's a scary thought. Because if KD gets back next year, plays alongside Kyrie Irving and the rest of the Nets, we're all going to die again. We just might. I mean, granted, no player has ever come back from an Achilles injury the same, so maybe we'll never see the same Kevin Durant that we once saw, which is extremely sad. Kevin Durant's one of the best basketball players to ever walk the earth. But I don't know, man. If there's any guy who I think could recover from a Achilles injury like that, it would be it would be Kevin Durant. The dude's fucking good. So we'll see there. Uh the Pistons. I think the Pistons are issuing for the playoffs this year. Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are such a great four five combo, and Derrick Rose has been stepping up in a huge way this year. This man has been tearing shit up lately. And I think with those three on the backs of those three, they can really, really do some damage this year. Um, uh, but the eighth team, that's a hard one. I'm thinking maybe the Pacers. Maybe. On the back of, like, DeMontis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon. Or uh, maybe the... I can't imagine the Bulls will make it there, but they're they're there, you know. They got Laurie Markinen and Chris Dunn and Zach Levine. They're a good young core of guys too. Uh, yeah, the East, the, that eighth spot in the East is a little bit harder for me. But uh, you know what? We'll fucking see. You know. Uh, the NBA man, it's so much fucking fun. So much fun.
joke and I'm pretty still Look at my deal, Richard Mill Look at my kids, flooded with diamonds Look at my skills, running through blocks like 49ers 49 diamonds, stuff from my bracelet That cost a while, that cost a while But it ain't new, I have a knowledge John Eric in my locker Pretty still, it ain't no pretty pillars either Briefly, I wanted to talk about uh, the season premiere of Rick and Morty because, dude, I fucking love that show. I had I haven't been this excited for a season premiere since uh, Game of Thrones uh, earlier this year, and it did not disappoint. This shit was so fucking funny, and it was so beautifully animated, and it just did so much shit that, like, why the fuck would you do... Like, who thinks of this? This is fucking genius. This is creative genius that we're witnessing, and I fucking love shit like that. It's really one of the funniest TV shows I've ever watched. And, uh... Shit. That's awkward. Anyway, uh... Dude, I fucking love the show. And, uh, I'll dive into it more with Tavares at some point, but... Just the way that Morty was... <laughs> he murdered so many people. That was... Like... The humor in this show is so fucking dark and so fucking funny that I I don't know how to feel about it. Like I fucking love it, dude. The uh the fact that Morty just like was on a path to like end up with Jessica because she was going to die next to him and he she was like, "I love you. I love you, Morty." And at the end of the show in the post-credit scene, where she was like, I know what I want to do with my life. I want to be a hospice nurse. I want to sit with people on their deathbed, deathbed, read their uh, read their name tag, and say, I love you, whatever their name tag says. And Morty goes, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God, that's genius. Like, that's just so fucking funny. I'm, ugh. I love this show, man. I love this show. And uh, I'll, I'll dive into it more with Tavares. But, uh. That'll wrap up this one. Nice, uh, nice quick episode for this week. And, uh, hope you enjoyed. You know, we had the Camp Flogna discussion. We had the, uh, the uh, How I Met Your Mother talk and a lot of NBA. Uh, so, uh, if you enjoyed, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, and if you, uh, enjoyed this, I definitely suggest you go back and listen to anything with me and Tavares in it because we feed off of each other's energy and it always goes better than when I'm alone here. So, uh, you know what, just go, go do that, go listen, go, go live, you know, let's fucking party, alright, party, party hard, hard, hard party, sorry, I'm weird, uh, if you enjoyed the music that we played today, we, uh, we had Earthquake by Tyre the Creator in the first slot, we, uh, had Risk by FKJ and Boz in the second slot, and In My Room by Frank Ocean, there at the uh in the last one so uh you know if you liked it come back for more we'll keep doing that shit because it's hard as fuck peace love and bloom goodbye i took your heart i did things to your only lovers would do in the dark it made you a god Folks and preachers would tell me I did wrong, but hey, I made a nigga flip. What do I say to make me exist? Oh, stranger.